everybody, Eric Bischoff here, and have you heard about Strictly Business? Strictly Business is a brand new weekly series exclusively on adfreeshows.com. Join me and my co-host, John Alba, every Tuesday as we take a deep dive into the business of the professional wrestling business. And this is some straight-up business talk here. No fanboy nonsense. We discuss television contracts, advertising, licensing, and, of course, the highly debated ratings so if you want an unfiltered brutally honest anti-fanboy understanding of the professional wrestling industry well strictly business is the series for you and hey if elon musk likes my tweets and he did you're gonna love strictly business sign up now and listen at adfreeshows.com Howdy, folks. Double J here. That's right. That's J-E-double-M-J-A-double-R-E-double-T. And you know me, me, that D to the O to the double G, the road dog Jesse James together once again with that double J. Jeff, what are we going to be doing? Oh, folks, the Oh You Didn't Know podcast and the My World podcast are getting together again. That's right. The band is back together and we're going on tour. The Ain't We Great Tour 2022. Oh, Vegas, the Nerd Bar, Sunday, May 29th. VIP doors at 11. Show starts at 2. We're going to have a swag bag. You know what a swag bag is? I don't even know, but I'm you know what it's You had me at hello. <laughs> Folks, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to tell stories, candidly, that we'll never, ever tell on the podcast. Come on out. We'll call it a little pregame before the pay-per-view. The double or nothing pay-per-view. You talk about a weekend of doubles. Double J. The real double J. Double or nothing. Come party with us first. And if you ain't down with that, I got three words for you. Buy the tickets. Oh, no. Ain't we great. Head to DoubleJLive.com or RoadDogLive.com for more information and tickets. That's DoubleJLive.com or RoadDog.com with two G's for tickets. Do you love wrestling podcasts but hate all the ads? Well, you can get all the great podcasts early and ad-free at adfreeshows.com. It only starts at nine bucks a month, but you get exclusive series at adfreeshows.com like Title Chase, Eric Fires Back, Conversations with Conrad, and tons more, and a chance to interact with your favorite podcast hosts every month. See for yourself why thousands of other wrestling fans say adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling. Adfreeshows.com. Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to DDP Snake Pit. And of course, we couldn't do it without our Hall of Famers, Mr. Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake, how are you, man? Oh, man, the sun is shining. I'm ready to burn it up. Well, let's do it, and let's do it with our old pal, Diamond Dallas Page. What's up, DDP? How are you, dude? Ready to go, baby. Ready to go. Talk about our favorite places. Yeah, man. Last week, we talked about our favorite finishing moves. This week, we're talking about the biggest, the best, the worst, the best crowds you've been in front of. Let's talk about the biggest crowds you ever wrestled in front of Dallas. I guess we'll start with you. I think you participated in the, uh, the largest, biggest crowd in professional wrestling history, or at least in North America. It was the Andre, the giant Memorial battle Royal WrestleMania 32 at AT AT&T stadium, more than a hundred thousand people in the building. They say, what was it like walking down the aisle with a hundred grand and folks there? Yeah. I'm going to throw a picture right up here. 
Because, you know, whenever we're doing our YouTube ones, uh, when we do me and Jake uh, and you on camera, uh, we get to throw all those pictures up there. So if you're listening to this on uh, iTunes or Spotify, we appreciate you listening. If you want to check us out on the uh, YouTube channel, check out DDP Snake Pit. So right here, it's a picture my buddy Kent Backler took of me. And tiny little picture that you see of me because he wanted to get all three floors. And you can just see a mass of diamond cutters. You know, uh, what I was really uh, pumped about is everybody did the walkout, you know, but they actually played my music and Shaq's music. And I will never forget when we all got everybody together in the back and uh, I can't remember who the agent was, but they said something about, you know, make sure, you know, when you're out there, get get your get your get your face out there, you know, in the uh, in the right spots where the kitten know where the cameras are. Well, when Big Show and Shaq were going over. Maybe I was right there. <laughs> right I'm there. in the moment. You know, hit a couple cutters. Uh, I think I hit one, maybe two. And then over the top rope, I went and uh, I'm out of here. But it was it was so much fun. You know, God, I was 61. What year was that? What Tw- year? Uh, was that 2017? 17. So four or five years ago, right? Yeah, I was 61. And it was like the day before my birthday or the day after 2016, about, my apologies. Yeah. You know, what I loved about spring stampede when we had, you know, our, uh, our big pay-per-views that happened right around my birthday, you know, the day, the day after the day after my 41st birthday is the day I beat Savage at spring stampede. Now here I am almost the same scenario with WrestleManias and uh, you know, all the hall of fames all went around my birthday, which are really cool. Uh, but I loved, I loved coming out to that humongous crowd. And uh, that's why I was really surprised that Vince went for two, you know, times, two shows in the same house. And I get it. You're already renting it out. You own it. Let's see what happens. But man, when you're going to an arena that big, yeah, you know, I'd rather fill it up one time and have that electricity that he had back in uh, 2017, uh, then maybe have some parts of it blocked off, you know, just my own preference. Uh, but uh, I was just happy to be on that card. You know, it was a lot of fun. That's your biggest crowd though, right? WrestleMania 32. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things I've heard uh, Jake is that when you're in a, a building that big, you don't really get the sound the way you do in a smaller arena. Was that your experience, True. Jake? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You get some buildings that are just made for it, you know, and the same thing you see concerts that are held in some buildings and they say, oh, the sound wasn't that good. You want that, you want the people on top of you. When you get that big, man, it, it starts bouncing in the wrong ways. The first time it ever happened to me, like I didn't, we was in the Georgia Dome and it was like the people, ah, it, it takes a while for the voice to get, get there. There's a delay. Yeah. That light yeah. is pretty much instant for our eyes, yeah. but light years, they call it light still coming at us, you know, from certain areas of the universe. But the sound thing is kind of weird. Yeah. You know, when I was like WrestleMania was probably the one that threw me the most because I knew we were getting the pops with me and Christian, but I wasn't feeling it like I would have felt it 
in a in an arena that was twenty thousand or or ten thousand. Yeah, but because those you know? people are on top of you, right? Yeah. It's like WrestleMania three, you know, going to the ring and they shooting us up on those scissor lifts. <laughs> that was wild. And then I got Alice Cooper over here who's trying to pass out. He's sliding <laughs> down my body, scratching the shit out of me. And I'm like, what's wrong with you, dude? And he's like, too much rush, too much. And I talked to him afterwards and he's like, dude, he said, I didn't have a guitar. I didn't have a prop. I didn't have shit. This is your gig. I didn't know what to do with myself. And when the rush hit us, I remember my skin felt like it was just crawling. I felt like my hair was growing on my arms. And so I'm looking at what the hell's going on, man. They're just itching all over. It's an incredible feeling. But I'd much rather have a building with 20,000. Yeah, for, you know, for me to wrestle in, for sure. Yeah. For that pop, though, to be able to walk out there, and like I say, and throw it up and see all those people do it, you know. And that's, I mean, I, I'd already realized when I went back for Ross. 1000th episode and got the pop that I got walking out there and Heath taking Heath uh, Slater taking the diamond cutter and getting that pop and pop it up. I realized, okay, I can do this as long as I can do this, you know, and we're going to get that same reaction yeah. because especially because of the network. And I yeah, talk about absolutely. that a lot now, now on Peacock. Uh, I love how you did uh, a couple weeks back. We did the, um, uh, spring stampede and you broke it down like where it was and where people could see it. And, uh, you know, it's such a great way for we're, we're classic rock now. Yeah. yeah. You know, a whole new generation of fans, you know, it's, it's like, okay, stones are going back on tour. Wait a minute. He's 80 years old. <laughs> I don't get around like <clears throat> Mick does. And I couldn't if I wanted to. So that's that. <laughs> that's some. You bitch. might be able to. <laughs> that's son of a bitch. I can fake oh, it. I can fake it for a while. But that's some of a bitch. Oh, the greatest God. shape ever. He still sounds great. And I know they use that thing where they sound sing over themselves. You know, a lot of the artists today because it's so big and they want to have the crystal sound. But you could see it if you've got that camera on him. And because he'll they'll go off a script and come on, you know that some of these guys are really doing it. Yeah. You know, and uh again, because the sound gets lost in these big stadium acts, you know. Jake, for you, WrestleMania three, ninety-three thousand folks, that's your biggest crowd, uh, right? I believe so. I believe so, you know, and uh again, I would have much rather had twenty-two thousand in Cleveland or twenty-two thousand in, in New York or at the Boston, the old Boston Garden. Oh, that's one of my favorites there. Oh my God. That building had so much history in it, man. I used to get there early and go look at the rafters and stuff and see the, the banners hanging and, and then go in the back and here's the parquet floor they play on. You know, I, I was a big fan of Boston back when Bill Russell was kicking ass. I mean, he was a stud. He was a stud. You know, he wasn't <laughs> seven foot. He just was a mean son of a bitch. He got in there and played, brother. And they had such a great run, but that Boston garden just had so much history in it, man. And I loved it. And it was a damn shame when they, they tore it down. Is that the building I've heard Bruce talk about that it would get so hot. The walls would sweat. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And they had the biggest rats in there. The biggest they, what? Rats. They look like dogs. <laughs> no shit. And you don't mean like from the eighties, you mean like, no. 
Yeah. These are the, the, the animals. <laughs> uh, they were, they were wharf, wharf rats for what they were because they were right on the water. Right, right. And right. when they uh -huh. shut that thing down at night, they locked everything out and they turned the dogs loose inside. And the dogs were inside to try to kill the rats. Wow. But uh, sometimes the dogs didn't fare that well. But uh, you remember Iron Mike Sharp? Sure. Oh, yeah. Iron Mike Sharp took the longest showers. He was Mr. Clean. He had a real issue with that. We used to really mess with him. He'd come in the locker room. He had two suitcases for one show. And one suitcase would have extra towels, extra soap, wash rags, toilet paper, everything. And, you know, if he shook hands with you, he had to go wash his hands. He was wow. a clean free. So we used to let him come in, and then we'd take turns going and shaking his hand. Then he'd go wash his hands, and then somebody else would go wash his hands. Oh, my gosh. You know, and, but he would shower. His showers, he was always the last guy out of the shower, even if he was on first. And one night they locked him up in the Boston Garden. <laughs> and uh, he was in there for several hours. You know, that's before cell phones and stuff. Yeah, right. And uh, he was in there for several hours because he tried to come out and the dogs came after him. Mm. You know, so uh, he was in a mess. So, Jake, even though, you know, as far as while you're in the ring doing your thing, putting on a performance, you might prefer a smaller venue. There has to be part of you that had a great sense of pride riding that silly little go-kart down to or golf cart yeah. down to the ring at WrestleMania yeah. and looking around and thinking, boy, if they, I could see me now. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That it was a, a huge, huge pop for me inside. And the fact that I'm with Alice Cooper, who I adored as a teenager and you know, his songs were really hot when I was in school, man. Schools sure. out for summer was the number one song in my senior year. Mm. You know, everybody was singing that shit. So to be with him, to go out there and, and have a match and be a part of it. Bottom line is it's history, you know, and, it, and it's a big mark in history. You know, for years, it was the number one show ever. But, um, you know, I, I, what I feel so amazed about it when WrestleMania three is they did this before the internet. Mm. Before, before pay-per-view, really? I mean, it was a closed circuit thing. Right, exactly. And uh, I know WrestleMania two, I was a part of, and they ran that in three different cities. What yeah. year was that? WrestleMania one was eighty three, eighty five, because because three was eighty seven. Yeah, yeah. Eighty six, they did it in, in three different shows. You know, they did uh, Long Island, Chicago, L.A. Yeah. Just logistics and everything. I don't know how they pull that off, man. It's just unbelievable what Vince was able to put together for these shows. But, uh, yeah, I, I still like the smaller, smaller buildings, you know, for, to get the feel of everything, you know, to, to enjoy it more. I think you enjoy it more. I mean, I, for some reason that Richfield Coliseum always felt good, man. A building that did not feel good was, uh, land over Maryland. Why not? Why didn't it feel good? I don't know. I don't know, man. You could put 20,000 in there and it still wasn't fun. Hmm. You know, it just depends on the crowd and the people, man. You go to Long Island though. Holy shit. You better be ready to fight. Right, that's, that's those are rough crowd. people out there, man. <laughs> that in Philly. Yeah. That in Philly, boy. Philly was I mean, brutal. Being, being, when, when I flipped from heel to baby face, I was very fortunate that the people in New York and Philly still really 
Doug DDP, because yeah. if you were a baby face, <coughs> they beat you to death as a baby face. Yes, they they friggin' they 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 were they were a heel crowd. That's how, that was like some of the first like heavy heel crowd areas. Man. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Guys, can you believe it? It's hard to imagine, but spring is almost here. Uh, we are so close to feeling that soft grass under our feet, but first, man, we got to get our lawns back. Thankfully, Sunday gets your lawn growing and helps you keep it healthy all season long. They did this for me last year. Sunday can help you grow a beautiful lawn without the guesswork or the nasty chemicals. Their custom plans include fertilizer and everything you need to easily care for your lawn with ingredients like seaweed, iron, and molasses. And you can feel good with kids and pets being around. All you have to do is visit GetSunday.com, put in your address, and their lawn analysis tool does the rest. And then you use soil and climate data to create a personal nutrient plan delivered just to your door right when you need it. And guys, this is so simple. You just attach their ready-to-use pouch to a garden hose and spray. It takes like less than 15 minutes. But best of all, this stuff really works. And take it from me, I did it last year. I am a Sunday household now, and you will be too. And right now, Sunday's offering our listeners 20% off. Full season plans start at just $129, and you can get 20% off at checkout when you visit GetSunday.com slash DDPSnake. That's 20% off your own custom plan at GetSunday.com slash DDPSnake. Well, well, Jake, before you were strutting down the aisle at WrestleMania three in front of 93,000, there had to be some, well, smaller crowds. What's the smallest crowd you remember working in front of eight people, eight, eight people. Tell us about it. Where the hell was that? That was in Japan and it was on top of a 16 story building on the roof and the owner of that building paid the wrestling company to put on a show for him and his family. Okay. So eight people, but we give those eight people a hard time. I promise you. (laughs) (laughs) And it was raining too, by the way, what year would this have been? If you had to guess, Oh, probably 79, something like that. Eight people. Wow. Eight people. Yeah. What about you, Dallas? Oh man, we started WCW, you know, when I, when I broke in in 91 was my first match, wasn't it? 91. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. 90 or 91. I'm pretty sure it was 90, 91, but man, we, you know, we were still, there, there were still arenas booked like the Charlotte civic center or Charlotte, not civic center, the, uh, the, whatever, wherever the, the professional team played that held 20,000 people. And they got it sectioned off and sectioned off and sectioned off. And there might be 500 people there, man, yeah. for a building like that. But even going to the smaller buildings that held like four or 5,000, and there's 300 people in some yeah. shows. You know, the, not, yeah, yeah, it was, it was brutal, man. And we're talking about with some of the biggest names ever on yeah. the card. 
but it, we just weren't hot right then. You know, WWE was, they were drawing fine, but we weren't drawing shit, man. And it was for a couple of years, you know, that you went out and you did that. Now there were still places that would draw like Baltimore, like Baltimore, those fans, Cleveland, they are great. Cleveland, um, um, Chicago, Ohio, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Dayton, Ohio. Chicago was my favorite place. And Chicago is where I really felt like I got over the most there, Birmingham, Atlanta, um, Salt Lake city, but Chicago was a place. There's a reason why AEW started their whole run there, you know, with all in before AEW is even around, you know, when it's, when it's Cody and the young bucks and Kenny Omega, like the spot they picked was Chicago. And was it the Rosemont? Is that what was, what was the building that we were at over there? The um, Rosemont is where uh, everybody loves to work in Chicago, but, damn right. but, but all in I was at the, the Sears center. Sears. So that's where it was at. Yeah. That's it. Sears center. No, I love the United Center because we took that sucker over, man. And that's when everything exploded because you didn't want to walk in there until you were. But again, Chicago fans to me are just so they love wrestling. You know, at one time I, I, I knew there was eight different little territories, you know, where they ran a, a weekly or a monthly match, you know, um, my buddy Fra- Frankie Rodriguez, he freaking he, he he was up there. He had his own little territory at one time up there, and there's a there's a bunch of guys up there that that they just the fans love it, they love it and they support it. Yeah, and that's what I love about the Chicago fans that have having so many, you know, people how many so many federations because they support it and they're passionate. So let's talk about some of the uh, well not so awesome experiences. What's the most hostile crowd you think you had over the years, Jake? Oh God. Mexico. <laughs> Mexico was really brutal. Oh no. Um, yeah. I know I went and did a, an interview at a TV station in um, Alcapulco and my limo took me back to my hotel. And as I'm walking towards my room, there's a outdoor bar. And they got the TV on. And I look up at the TV and I see people being blasted with a water cannon. They're flying. The water cannon would hit them and they would just fly. And I'm like, holy crap. What the hell's going What the hell, man? Turn that up. And the guy's like, amigo, that is for you. I'm like, what do you mean it's for me? They are looking for you, the people. They're coming to kill you. <laughs> And I'd done the interview in the station and the people came to the station to get my ass and they were trying to break into the station. They'd busted out windows. They were rioting, but I was already gone. And uh, he's not kidding here. He had serious. It was awesome, bro. Crazy, scary. Yeah. Very scary. You know, because he just was there. They took it very seriously. And, and I was really kind of shocked. You know, the first time that we were in AAA, which, man, that, that was the most hostile crowd I've ever been in, LA, yeah. in front of. We, we, and I was with Jake, too. So the heat's just rubbing off, 
you know, on they're me. In, they're hitting him with everything you can think of. Cups of urine. Oh, do you too? Yeah, me you too. too. But when when I'll never forget because they were throwing batteries. Oh man, that was you know, and Connie saw us. He was on his stomach at one point. Well, he grabbed the 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 little what's the mustard cigarettes. Yeah, the midget. Yeah, the midget wrestler was all in white, white hood, white. He was unbelievable. Oh yeah, he was unbelievable. And Jake took him and just spiked him. You know, (laughs) I mean, he was so overwhelming. I don't remember why, but Jake was on his belly on the mat, and I was down next to him, like we're dodging shit. And all of a sudden. And he trapped something that was flying at him. And it was a, uh, a toenail clipper, oh, yeah. but had, you know, the knife. You know, you can pull it open to shave, you know, to do your, your nails, nails, but it's stuff. a knife. And he trapped it, he goes, we're out of here. <laughs> and he grabbed a chair and he hands me a chair. I go, what is he goes, put it over your head. Block. Yeah, like block shit that was coming at you. Like I never experienced any of that shit, oh, right. but I did in the AWA. I'm working with the Guerrero brothers, Hector and Mondo. I'm not wrestling. I'm a manager and bad company. And we had Mondo upside down and all of us were just blasting him. And then here come the baby faces out of the locker room because Vern still did the two locker rooms back then. And I'm coming around, dude, I'm green as grass. Maybe this is my fifth day. <laughs> I've been working five months, but I work once a month. <laughs> and there's no barricade there. Oh God. There's just rope. And I come running around the corner, and here's a dude going clothesline. No <laughs> fist. Fist oh. right in the face. Now I think it's one of the boys. So I'm starting to already kick back. I realize I don't even know who that guy is. And he connects. Wham, he hit me so hard in the face. I uh, went down and I got up and I grabbed that son of a bitch. The next thing I know, everybody's pulling me back, pulling him back. Cops took him in because he was just a fan. Oh, yeah. Was so pissed off at me. I had so much heat with him. And man, he caught me perfectly <laughs> on the jaw, swelled me up. And the cop was basically saying, This is 1988. And he's like, You know, um, uh, Unless you're going to press charges on when you have to be here to do it. Yeah. He goes, this is the wild, wild west. You know, yeah. like, Love so do you want to let him go? Me. I said, fuck him, let him go. Yeah. You know, but I wanted that little son of a bitch. He, he wasn't even that big, man. He just came in like, <laughs> gotcha. I turned, bang, and blasted me. That was, that was the most hostile besides that night. Yeah. <laughs> besides Mexico. I went to a show in Hazard, Kentucky. <laughs> okay. And that name says it all. Yes. <laughs> We're driving down the road and I see a sign. Welcome to Hazard. And there's nothing here. Nothing. And then we pull up and there's like a, <clears throat> a flea market type shop over here on the right. So I go in and I say, hey, man, uh, where's the wrestling show? And I go, oh, yeah. She's uh right down the road, take your first left and go up in the holler. The what? (laughs) Drive up in the holler. Just keep going. It's not much of a road, but just stay on it. Uh, You're going to cross the creek. Uh, It shouldn't be too deep right now. You'll be all right to get across. I'm like, what the hell? He goes, then you're going to go up and then you'll see the gun turret. 
The what? Well, I'd drive up there, and sure enough, guy up in a gun turret, and he's got the gun up there. I'm like, what in the hell is this? I thought I was entering a fort. But what it was, was they held chicken fights there. And that guy up there in the turret was to warn the people in the building to scatter <laughs> because the cops are here. Well, we go in and in intermission, I knew that we were in trouble because a couple of guys had already been in fights in the crowds and they were throwing some pretty nasty stuff. But when they auctioned off a shotgun with shells, <laughs> intermission, I said, what in the, am I doing here? Well, my opponent wound up getting cut. I can't remember the guy's name. Is this an indie show? Yeah, an indie show. Yeah. Early on yeah. or later? No, later. This was in the 90s. Oh, wow. Yeah, he got cut in the parking lot, but I got the hell out of there. But uh, I remember back in the day, we go to Homa, Louisiana every, every other Sunday. And they had a small building, probably seated, I don't know, seven, eight hundred people. But they had a upstairs, and they were right on top of them. And <clears throat> they used to gauge the crowds there. Now, the way you gauge the crowd was, if you knew it was going to be a good show, you'd ask the policeman, who's right outside the dressing room door, how many fights in the audience before the show started. And if there were more than six fights, you knew you were going to have a good crowd. Because usually it'd be like eight fights. If, they, if you only had like five fights, oh, shit, it must be the shits out there. <laughs> and you'd go out and there'd be 400 people. But if you had six or seven fights, you'd go out there and be packed. I remember as a referee, as a referee, I was refereeing Stan Hansen against Vic Mueller. And somebody from upstairs hit Stan Hansen with a cup of ice mm. and it didn't hurt him. It pissed him off mm. and he had Mueller down and he raises his foot and stomps Mueller's head and said, sell that. He says, Mueller says, when I wake up, I will. Mm. And he got, he says, don't count me out. God damn it. And he got out of the ring, went around, went up the stairs, and went and got that son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm sure everybody stooged the ball. Oh, man. Everybody, yeah, because Stan was, ah, you know, and he's just hammering people, man. I used to love his entrance. Oh, my God. Japan, oh, scared the hell out of all those guys. Him and Brody run. both, yeah. Yeah. Walk through the people, man. Walk <laughs> over them. But, uh, yeah, Mexico is definitely the toughest. I mean, you get caught in that bull arena. And at 4 a.m., they had to call the baby faces back down to the bull arena and stage a autograph signing at 5 a.m. so we can get the crowd away from the dressing room so I can get out. And uh, sitting in the locker room and drinking tequila with Pedro Aguayo, who didn't speak English. Me and him got along just fine as long as we had tequila. <laughs> and uh, Sensational Sherry was with me. God bless her. And... Uh, I remember going from the ring back to the locker room. We had to fight our asses off. And I got mad at Sherry because when we got to the back, she had knocked six guys down, and I'd only gotten three. <laughs> and I said, damn, Sherry, you should have fed me somebody. You know, she's like, hell, this is fun. And, you know, she just wanted to go, man. Yeah. But I remember that the uh, 
the manager for the, the rap group, Salt and Pepper, was, was there. And he was part of the AAA thing. And he come to the locker room and his jacket was gone. And uh, then the lawyer for AAA come in and he lost his wife during the thing. And his stuff was all ripped off on him because they were sitting in the same area that I had seated with uh, Sensational Sherry. We were ringside. And then I stepped over the barricade and blasted the guy and he lost the match. But uh, that's when the fight started. But uh, yeah, Al Capoco and, and seeing people being blasted with water cannons, that's exciting stuff. It really is. But I remember one time at the Boston Garden, we're getting ready to leave the building, me and Hacksaw. And we get to the area, there's like six or seven doors. And we look and people are right outside the doors, man. They're waiting. And now they're screaming, Jake, this thing. And Hacksaw, whoa, you know, all this shit. I look at Hacksaw and go, how the hell are we going to do this? He goes, look, Jake, you go down there. I'll go down here. This will help split the crowd up. On the count of three, we hit the doors and we just push right to the car. All right. All right. All right. So I'm carrying a snake bag with a snake and my wrestling gear. On the count of three. Okay. One, two, three. And I hit that friggin' door, man. I'm pushing through the people. I'm like, damn, man. What the hell, man? And they got me now. They've stopped me. And I raise up and I look at Hackstall. Hackstall's still inside. <laughs> that son of a bitch. He waited for all the people to come to me. And then he came out and walked straight to the car. No problem. By the time I get to the car, he'd been sitting in there, you know, four or five minutes. And I was beat to hell, man. That was a baby face. Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? SaveWithConrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Well, one of my favorite things to do is Big Show back when he was the giant in WCW. <laughs> you know, we'd be driving together, and he's a baby face, and I'm a heel. And we come out, I used to love Saginaw, had like the fans, you know, waiting. They weren't allowed to be near the door. Right. They were out of the parking on the other side, but they can see everything. And they're like, oh, I need Because people are starting to turn me at that point, you know, but I'm still just being a heel and show he, he's, he's a baby face. And so we get everything loaded up and I turn around and go, who wants autographs? I go, <laughs> I don't think so. Oh. And Corey goes, you motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> I did that to him so many times. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jake, do you have any uh, stories of working over in Japan in the Tokyo Dome? I think you worked at 1990. Yeah. It was a big combination. WWF, yeah. uh, All Japan, New Japan show. Yeah. But that Japanese audience, it's a little different, right? Yeah, they are different, man. I I don't enjoy the Japanese audiences at all, man. Uh, you know, they're very reserved. And uh, you go out and bust your ass, you want some type of reaction out of these people. But they're very reserved and they're very, you know, inside. And, you know, you might get a... <laughs> That's it, you know. Wait a fucking minute. Come on, is that it? Yeah, I believe I wrestled boss, man. I think, yeah, you know, what, you know, what's interesting about that, and this just shows you what American culture and wrestling and how it changes the way people are. 
we were there in 2002, WWE, and I was on that card. And uh, Shane McMahon, he was he was the one who was like coordinating everything on that trip. And I mean, I'd seen all the uh, you know quiet clapping and ooh and like no big pops. Well, now we're there, and I'm hearing like sounding like kind of like what our crowds would yeah, be. They, they have changed. You know, and 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 we went out there, and I said, I said, hey, I go before I, I said. On the way out there, Shane, let me do my thing. Let me go out there, grab the mic, and let's see what the people do. And he goes, sure. He goes, go for it. And I went out there, and, man, they hit all of the catchphrases. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Like they were, I was like, wow. They know those words, even if they don't yeah. speak any English. Right, right, right. They can right. speak. It's kind of like learning a song, Yeah, you know? Well, I got and pulled so, by that over there. Yeah, <laughs> And it's, it's, it's really, you know, it's changed a lot over here. That was still 20 years ago. So today, and I look at some of the way their guys work today, they're still stiff as hell, yeah. but those guys, they tell stories too. Yeah. They tell yeah. stories, man. They've been, and, they've been taught. Yeah. Taking years. You know, the first thing that happened to them is they had, you know, Carl Gotch teaching. Right. And he was, he was a pistol man. And, uh, they had some bad dudes over there, man. He just didn't mess with them. Yeah, when he says you know? pistol man for some of you guy, like a shooter, like yeah, he, a badass some bitch. He could snap you off and feed you your arm, you know, pretty, right. pretty quick. And uh, then they had Ricky Dozan, who was a Japanese version of Carl Gotch, who was so tough that uh, a man stabbed him in a bar and he refused to go to the hospital. He sat there and drank till he bled to death. He's oh, a good guy. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. That's, that's how Ricky great. Dozan died. Mm. Got wow. in a fight in the bar. A guy stabbed me. He's looking, you know, I'm beyond fucking needing the help. Ugh. I just believe that's believing your own shit. In yeah, a little bit too much. <laughs> wrong level. But uh, you know, I I never enjoyed being over there. Uh, I liked some of the scenery, of course. The food was horrible. I thought, except for sushi and a couple other things. But. Uh, Working over there was rough. You know, I, I, I started going over there in the 70s, and it was a fight. I used to tell people, it's like going to jail and being let out once a night to get the shit beat out of you. Because those guys are in such phenomenal shape. They were machines yeah. that never ran out of gas. You know, I can go for a little bit, but I'm going to run out of gas. You know, I got to take a break somewhere. And they didn't have to. And of course, whenever you run out of gas, <laughs> you leave yourself open to everything. Mm. And uh, you're like a, a babe in somebody's arms in because you can't defend yourself. Um, I had the unfortunate situation of going over there the first trip, my first trip to Japan, and I'd done a bad thing, to be quite honest with you. I'd taken a photo with Andre the Giant <laughs> and at the last second, I stepped forward. So when you look at the picture, I'm only that much shorter than Andre. Right. You know, I look like a huge son of a bitch. Well, I sent that over there to try to get a job. Well, they gave me a good job. They gave me way more money than I should have got. So I went, and when I came off the airplane, I see them with their, they had these track suits on with the name of the company and all that stuff waiting on me. And I'm like waving at him, 
So I walk up to them and, and they're constantly looking around me. Yeah. And I'm like, what, what, what are you looking for? No, it's me. <laughs> I'm, I'm Jake Roberts. <gasps> and they look at the picture, they look at me and they go, you shit boy. <laughs> and that was my name, shit boy. And uh, this company was called International. And they were also called Blood and Guts. IWA. Yeah. And I, uh, I had the cage match every night for about 10 weeks. <laughs> uh, I Were was, you over there that long? I stayed 12 weeks my first trip. Oh, my God. That was absolutely dirty. brutal. Because international, you went to hotels that did not have, you know, Western stuff. Right. You had the slot in the floor to poop in, shit in, and you had rice mats to sleep on. Oh, oh my man. God. I couldn't have done that. <laughs> Brother, you had to take your shoes off at the door when you walked in the hotel. Like, I'm not going to leave my shoes here. Somebody will steal them. Not over there. When you got come down and get your shoes, they'd be in the same place, but they'd be cleaned. They clean your shoes at night. Wow, you know it was really wild, man. But it was it was scary because we were in small areas. Uh, one night I had a little accident with whenever I gigged myself, and uh, I caught that major vein, and uh, I wouldn't stop bleeding. Say to take me to the hospital, and it was an old doctor. Oh, American GI. I'm like, oh, fuck. What have I got myself into? Mm. Oh, this is going to hurt. You know, telling me I'm pain come now. Pain, pain. And he heats up this wand and sticks it to it and cauterizes that vein. Mm. And I start cursing and he's like, say motherfucker too. You GI die. You know, I'm like, what the fuck, man? Mm. I wasn't here for that. Mm. You know, it's pretty spooky up. It was spooky over there in the 70s for me because I seen the results, what was left of the bomb. You know, I, I went to this one street that still had the vaporized places where the bodies were been. Oh. That were vaporized right there, and you could still see the shadow in the concrete. Wow. And then that's you, you would see people wearing the mask because they were literally rotting from the inside out mm. because they had been hit with the radiation and stuff. That's brutal. Yeah. And so there was always a little bit of doubt in your mind if you were going to get out of there alive. Understandable, though. Yeah. yeah. Especially so, in the 70s. Yeah. Dallas, what are some of your favorite outdoor venues? I know WCW ran some interesting ones. They had Road Wild. They had the, the Bash at the Beach on the beach. Did you have a favorite or a least favorite outdoor? Well, I, I wasn't crazy. I wasn't crazy about the beach. You know, on the beach. I thought that was lame. Yeah. Oh, I hated that. Um, I did like road wild and I loved it because we would, you know, Bish and me and God must've been like, you know, uh, Medusa, uh, Steiners, you know, we'd all ship our bikes up to, uh, Minneapolis and then we'd ride into Sturges, which is about 780 miles. And we wouldn't do it all at one time. We bust it up on like three different legs. We get there, fly about, you know, drive about 200. Then next day, drive about 280 or 300 and then roll in the last 200. And then we can go out in Sturgis. And Sturgis is crazy, man. It's the wild west. It's the wild, wild west, man. And what's beautiful that I love about it 
because uh, Kimberly got to do all that with me. You know, she actually she put it up. You know, probably eighty percent of the ride too. She wrote on the back. Um, but uh, what's great is when you get there, and then you can go up to, you know, to uh, the monuments and you know all the uh, the um, you know the presidents nice. up on, up on the mountain. And, I mean, it's such a beautiful country, and it's in August. So it's beautiful that time of year. And that whole town, people know about it now, but that's been happening for 65, 70 years yeah. now. You know, they've been doing that back in, you know, in the 50s, they were doing Sturgis, you know. And uh, and there was all the real bikers there with all the, you know, midlife crisis bikers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, which was really shocking to me. Was the women that you know some of them were hot, but that some percentage <laughs> that percentage was real low, <laughs> and they were afraid to wear. They, man, it's like they they wear whatever they want to wear, and uh, it's colorful. We'll just call it that. Um, I, I really I, I love being out there and just spending time out there, um, and. Uh, that you know, I remember that's our first place said I had met uh, Travis Trent, who was one of the biggest country stars on the planet uh, back then. Um, that was right after we did the uh, the, the uh, Jay Leno thing, uh, which I was really surprised how much the people got with that match. Yeah, you know, I was really surprised because we had done that like in uh, in Chicago, you know, or Alabama. I don't know. You know, George, I don't know how well that would have been received. But out there, there were a lot of people who were wrestling fans, but there was a lot of people who were the casual wrestling fan. And they're the ones who I think enjoy that more than anything. Because Jay obviously is not a wrestler, but he's an entertainer. Yeah, he is. And of course, you got Hulk down selling his arm bar. <laughs> that was like, that's, you know, that was him. You know, Hulk was going to go out there and make the, the guy look good. Uh, but it was, uh, it was just fun being out there in that crowd and being in that, uh, that whole environment to me. Who's going to take care of your family. If something happens to you, what would they do without your income? If you don't have a plan, you need to go to goliathlife.com. Get a quick quote for more than 20 carriers. You don't even have to leave the house. If you need a medical exam, they'll send somebody to your house or office. You're in total control. You pick the rates, you pick the payments, you pick the terms you're in total control. But it gives you and your family peace of mind. What if something happens to your income? Hurry to GoliathLife.com. I got one for you. Okay. Manchester, England. Okay. Afternoon show. I'm ready. I'm in the back. There's a curtain. They're going to pull the curtain open. I'll be standing there. So I'm standing there getting ready. I'm fixing to pick the snake bag up and put it on my shoulder. And a guy walks up with a kid. He's like, oh, Mr. Roberts, would you mind like, signing my son's autograph? I'm like, get the fuck out of here, man. They're fixing to open the curtain. Get the fuck out of here. Jesus Christ. Where's security? Get that. I've got the bag up and the thing opens and I go to the ring. It's not the prime minister, is it? No, it's Robert Palmer. <laughs> I'm Robert Palmer from Three Lights Out. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted me to sign his kid's fucking... But he wasn't there no more. He left. <laughs> I have one other incident like that. 
Madison Square Garden. You know that little uh, elevator there at the back of the hall? Right, right. Back there getting ready to go to the ring. It opens up. And they got they have a camera. They're going to film me going to the ring. And about 10 people walk out. The first two that walked out nearly filled the whole elevator door. They were about 400 pounds each. Big, big men. With jackets and suits and shit on. I'm like... Guys, you can't be here. This is a bad time, man. They're, they're filming me going to the ring. Get the fuck down the hall. Get the fuck. And then a little guy steps out. And the big guy goes, dude, that Sugar Ray fucking Leonard, man. He ain't going nowhere. <laughs> How you doing, bro? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, Jake, your biggest outdoor event, I think is the big event Toronto, Ontario, yeah. uh, August yeah, 28th, 61,000 like 61, paid 64,000 there. Is that the yeah. biggest outdoor arena you ever did? I believe so. I'm not a fan of outdoor arenas. I really, isn't. it's even worse for the sound. Yeah. It's horrible for sound. Um, and it's horrible to see, you know, because the people that are in the back, you know, they got all the people in front of them to see over. So, I don't think it's good for the fans, and I just don't like it as, a, as an entertainer. People get caught up in it, in the spectacle of it. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, to me, I mean, it's like, it's lame. Yeah. <laughs> the only time I had a good time was in a um, place in uh, Colorado, not not Denver, but the Colorado City or whatever it is. Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs. I wrestled one-man gang there in a rodeo arena. After it had rained five inches. Dude, I can't believe you said that. Because I was going to say a story just like that. And we went out and we had a blast. And they had bikers for security. So we're taking bumps in the mud. You know, and just having a great time slinging mud. The fans, as soon as I slung mud, the fans started slinging the mud. And it was pretty nasty. That was a little bit of fun, except I ruined my damn boots, which was like four grand. Yeah, right. Right. I'll bet. I'll bet. But you know what? If you still had those today, you'd get 10 grand for them. I know. They rotted, man. (laughs) Yo, we were were in Red Rock. And the guy who used to do, it wasn't Wheel of Fortune. It was one of those big shows like that. And you know, it wasn't Sajak. It was one of those guys who did one of those shows was now promoting bands and stuff. And he took his hand to wrestling and he put us in Red Rock and the entire area. And they did concerts there and everything. It's unbelievable. The sound really was really good. Yeah. Do you know the area I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of the most yeah. famous concert venues in the world just because of the acoustics. Yeah, right. And man, I was out. I can't remember who I was out there. But it was raining and it was coming down and nobody's leaving. <laughs> no. And the way the ring went, the way it happened, you'd think it would have puddled off. No. But it didn't, man. Not that deep. Right. Sad. I remember taking a backdrop. And when I hit, that water yeah. went. Imagine that movie with Stallone and um, uh, uh, Paradise Island. Yes. Yes. That was a great. Terry Funk's in that yeah, movie. Yeah, he was. He did a great job in that Damn movie. Right, he did. So let's talk a little bit about the WCW high water mark. I think most people agree, Dallas, that that was when Goldberg beat Hogan at the Georgia dome. There's like 41,000 fans there. It was thrown together yeah. very quickly, but it was so high. It didn't matter. 
you get to be in the ring that night, uh, with, uh, Carl Malone, you guys did a little thing. Is that when you think about your WCW memories, is that the biggest moment you think I, I'm not talking about in your career, but I mean, for the promotion, not, not my career, but as far as as many people out there and stuff, uh, you're being a part of that. Yeah. But it wasn't big, that big a moment for me. I, I love doing stuff with Carl. It was fun. Uh, training him was the most fun because he actually put work in. And if you look back, I mean, Hulk, Hulk wanted like 40 minutes. I'm thinking if we take 12, that's perfect. Like that's in my head, you know, but no, they laid out like 40 minutes with everything. Uh, way too much for those guys even to semi comprehend. Uh, but they both did a pretty damn good job. Um, so that, that was, that was a bigger moment than anything when we shot the angle on the tonight show, that was like when Dusty saw me walk on stage with Malone and friggin' Rodman Hogan are there and we shoot the angle on tonight show. That was the biggest moment because what happened after that with the press conference was like, it might as well have been the Olympics. You know, or bringing game seven of, uh, you know, uh, the playoffs or, or, or the World Series or whatever. It was that big of a turnout. And so that was that was the biggest moment. Um, the, um, you know, the thing that what we were just talking about, I can't remember the name. Well, the, the high water mark, we we're talking about the Georgia Dome. Yeah, the, Here's Goldberg something. Thing. the Goldberg thing was big. It was great. Humongous for him. It was it was a moment for the company. Yeah. You know, if, if I could go back and rebook that whole thing, I would have waited on bill on that, you know, cause I had, I had a real, I had real stuff angles with Hogan going into that. Billy was so hot. And so was stone cold Steve Austin. He was getting hotter and hotter and hotter. So they just kind of pushed Goldie up, up against friggin you know, stone cold type of thing. And let's put the title on him. And it was a great moment for Bill, you know, and I ain't taking anything away from it. Too early. Great, great run. Um, but uh, in, you know, in retrospect, you know, I think that it was still too early for him Yeah. because he was like, if you look at him, anything he's done in the last five years for WWE, when he grabs that mic, he knows who he is. Yeah. And he's cut some pretty damn good promos. If you could have had that guy, just about a year later, it might have been a different, you know, it might have been different if Hulk and I would have done the, you know, if they would have kept pushing me after Randy and it kept going, I would have been ready for Hulk. And I could have, because we already had the built-in thing, him whipping me with a cage. I mean, it was a bunch of stuff that we did that would have been perfect. And then I could have tagged it right off the bill. And I think just an, all he needed was another six months to get comfortable. Billy was a, maybe two years, not even two years in when he beat Hogan. His first match was September of 97. So he beats Hogan for the belt July of 98. I mean, that's months, and nine years. Yeah. Like, and as good as he was in the ring, and he was unbelievable uh, for a guy who's a year and a half in. Eight months, Dallas. He's eight months in. Oh, eight months in again, yeah. you know, the only person, you know, that I, you know, I think, I think it was so 
hard for him to catch up on the verbal end because who's next? Yeah. Yeah, that works until you get to where, okay, now we got to talk. And again, what, he, what Bill's done in the last five years is by coming back and he could cut promos because he knows who Bill Goldberg is as that athlete. He put all that time in. And I thought he did a hell of a job coming back and the stuff that he's done with them, especially when he first came back because they needed him. You know, he could really deliver the goods verbally. He needed another at least six months. Let that guy get comfortable. Let him, he ain't going anywhere. He's a juggernaut. One of the, my favorite moments of Bill Goldberg, and this doesn't even have anything to do with him doing it. I went to USA Today and I just happened to be looking through it. You know, I used to do those little, uh, the cartoons, you know, like the, the cartoons that, um, uh, political cartoon. But yeah. this one was a, a picture. It was a garbage can. And in the garbage can was MJ. And on the wall was a picture of Goldberg. And they were putting a nail in. Swear to God. I wish I would have kept that. Because wow. people don't believe me when I say it. But it's true. Wow. They, it was USA Today. I didn't say it. That's freaking you. It was man. humongous. Billy had made such an impact. Um, if he just would have had another, you know, another six months for this, I think yeah, to shine the product, just to really get comfortable in bringing his own skin talking. He, you know, he could have, who knows what would have happened. That's all I could say is who knows what would have happened. You know, uh, as it is, we know what happened, but, um, Bill, he, he was, I think, you know, having that moment, he, I don't think he would change a thing on that level because it was in Georgia. There's 41,000 people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all his buddies from the Falcons are there. It's a huge moment for him. And, you know, and it, and it should have been, you know, he went, he's got both titles. He, you know, he's one of the guys who ever got to do that, you know, so God bless him and then he could do it. But I would like, if I was booking, I would have liked to pull that off, you know, I could have carried that for a little bit of time and give it right off to him, you know? So that's just my own personal thing. Jake, well, the most famous arena in the world, arguably Madison square garden. What's your favorite and least favorite garden memory? Mm. Steamboat night. Yeah. Uh, Ricky and I wrestled in there and, uh, had a hell of a match, man. Did about 20, 25, something like that. I had a great time. Um, my worst memory was with Macho Man's brother, Leaping Lanny. Leaping Lanny was going to do me the favor one night there when I first got up there, and he told me he had this new move. Folks, beware when somebody tells you they have a new move. <laughs> That's what I learned that night. <laughs> and what it was was I was going to be on the floor and he would be inside the ring and he would grab the top rope and he would leap up and be on the top rope. And then he would jump in the air and come off with the, the double X out. Okay. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I go out to the floor. He goes to, I go to get up. He goes to do it. And he slips with one leg. As he's coming down, he, he's rolling and he drives a knee right into my freaking kidney. Almost killed me. I went down. I, I was down for probably two or three minutes. I mean, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't do shit. I thought, I thought my insides had just 
and um, I was hurt. And when I finally got up, I got angry. And he got too close to the ropes, and I grabbed his leg and pulled him out to the floor. And uh, back then, they didn't have the mats outside the ring. And I gave him a hip toss, a running hip toss on the concrete to uh, show him my love for his uh, new move. Yeah, that was my least favorite, man, because I was hurt for several days, probably a couple of weeks. I, I talked about this already in the show, but I'll repeat it again. My favorite match of him in the garden was him in uh, Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Yeah. Before he was the Million Dollar Man, yeah. I think, wasn't he? No, or did he come he in as Million Dollar Man? He came in as Million Dollar okay. Man, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, you're right. Um, but it was a hell of a match, man. Yeah. Those guys, it was like a textbook great match. It wasn't, it was It was for that uh, Madison Square Garden TV yeah, wasn't for the big TV. So those guys just went out there and did about 20 of them. Yeah. Just the best psychology. You can find that match, Madison Square Garden. That's what psychology 101 is of a match. I'd forgotten about that. Jake, tell us about uh, what you thought of the ECW audience. I know you only had a handful of appearances there, but you knew they were a diehard bunch of fans. They were. They were. I think the audience, you know, they were rabid and they were kids. That's what I think of. They were kids. They were kids that were allowed to be you know, out of control. And uh, I don't like audiences that are allowed to be out of control. That's danger. That's a problem. Uh, that that goes right back to uh, the insane clown posse, you know. And uh, but ECW was the first ones to come out with that. And uh, I appreciated how how much they loved their wrestling. But I didn't appreciate the fact that they were allowed to be out of control. No. Yeah, I think I worked twice for them. Yep. November to remember was one of them. A big surprise yeah. at the pay-per-view, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I went in and DDT'd uh, both people, I think. Yeah, you were working with Tommy Dreamer and Terry Funk and all those guys yeah. back then. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's where I got in trouble for the interview. I got in trouble because on the interview on the mic, I said, um, here's the difference between you and I. Your God giveth and your God taketh away. My God giveth, but it hasn't the balls to try anything else. <laughs> and I got in shit over that. How the hell did you get in heat for that? Because they said it was just a little too far. I'm like, this is fucking ECW. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And you could say I'm going to Valhalla, you know. <laughs> yeah. Dallas, you might yeah. not know this, but in my research, I found that you were a part of the highest, most attended WCW pay per view of all time. Did you know that? Mm. Slamboree 1999, you and Kevin Nash are the main event of the only WCW pay per view to have more than 20,000 paying fans. The only one. Really? They had one twenty thousand live people. Live people. Yes, twenty thousand folks in the building who paid to see the show. Now, of course, they say Bash at the Beach '95 was. uh, They say the Bash at the Beach '95 was fifty thousand folks. Well, we know none of those folks were paying anything, and I don't know how much I believe there were fifty thousand. To answer your question, though, uh, Jake, the venue was the TWA Dome in St. Louis. Oh wow! Really? Twenty thousand folks. Um. Glad to be a part of that with Kev, because you know when uh, when me and 
you know, when me and uh, Kevin started <laughs> at the bottom of the card. Uh, That's an amazing story. You know, yeah. his, his whole trip is just yeah. so amazing to, to be not the bottom, but underneath the bottom. <laughs> because he was underneath the bottom trying to fight out from that, I, yeah, I'm a manager. Because I don't care who you are. If you've been a manager first, you're not getting much in the locker room. Yeah. You know, as far as respect or, yeah, respect. Because I, what are you doing in here? Oh, so you see, now you want to be a wrestler. It's a big fucking deal, right? You think it's easy, kid? You're going to pay the hard way. And, and they made him pay. And they did. And uh, <laughs> that's one of the reasons I supported him. Was because I knew he was coming from hell trying to get out of it. And uh, nobody was giving him anything. I, I used to school him on what they're trying to do to you. Yeah, he <laughs> you know? did, too. He did. And I would tell him what they're going to do later after they promised him something else. So, oh, my God, they're fixing to hit you with that. And, you know, they would con him into doing something. And I'm like, dude, they're not going to give you what you think. You know, there was one time I even got, I even got like, one of the few, like, not arguments, but disagreements. And it was like... It's not going to mean anything. Like the angle you're, they're going to put out for you, it's not going to mean anything. I go, I go. Well, what if it's a really good angle? What if, what if it's really got some substance? And I cut the right yeah, promos. And he said, and he said, I'll give you one name, Ron Goldman. Who is that? And I said, the guy that OJ killed. And he said, Do you think you know who Ron Goldman? If Joe Schwartz killed him. I said, well, probably not. He goes, exactly. There's got to be someone that matters. There's got to be someone that they really care about. Like for you to make an impact, like me dropping the NWO. Yeah. That was huge. And to follow it up with Savage and then him put me over. I was at the feud of the year. Again, to what I was saying about the whole thing with Hulk and at the Dome. If you'd have kept going with me right there, yeah, I'd have been right there, ready. I could talk with Hulk yeah. back and forth. We would have had great match. We would have great matches. We would have fucking really good. And that would have got ready for Bill. You don't even have to drop it on me. You just got to have me go for it. Not me beat Hulk. You know, freaking let's continue this story. You know, or beat it and he, and he takes it back. Like the following pay-per-view. Or and then it comes to Bill coming on. You beat it. Beat him. And Bill has to wrestle Hogan to see who gets a match with you. Hey, there's so there's so many places to go. Or a triple threat. Triple threat. That would have been awesome. You know, uh, so back over to uh what were we what were we talking about right before that? Well, let's uh, rapid fire some arenas right fast as we start to wind yeah, down. Because I think you guys both worked a lot of places. I can't believe it, but earlier uh, on the archives of this show, we discovered that DDP, you actually wrestled the sportatorium. Jake, you did too, right? Oh yeah. A lot. Where does that rank as far as the all time, most famous, most important, all time worst buildings. Yeah. Worst. Okay. Yeah. It's horrible. Well, for me, it was a bucket list. Yeah. It was a bucket list, but as soon as I felt that mat, like it was like this, this was soft compared (laughs) to that. I was like, I'm good here. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the turnbuckles did not move because they're seaming it in. And uh, protection was pretty bad because the guy got up and shot at me. And, you, uh, and as a kid, I used to have to go and sit there and wait for my father to wrestle. 
and it was one of the nastiest, filthiest places you ever went into. Well, let's get to the other side of it, though. Michael P.S. Hayes and Buddy hit that ring, bounced around. Bam Bam, not so much. He took some bumps. Yeah. But those, but poor they Michael bounced. and Buddy, they they took some serious bumps on that match for years. Yeah. With those Von Erichs yeah. and Drew Monster Bunny. So that's what gave it to me, like the big. There were so many great stars that went through there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, the yeah. Von Erichs and the Freebirds, so that was an unbelievable yeah. run that they yeah. had. Um, they were so perfect got, for that. Dallas, from the outhouse to the penthouse, MSG, we just heard from Jake. What do you think of Madison Square Garden the first time you got to perform there? Um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was anything like in a main event spot for me, uh, being, you know, a bucket list thing for a performer. Hell yeah. You know, I got to do it. And, you know, you know, I'd been there for, for New York Knicks games, you know, I've been there, you know, for, you know, for big, you know, for big games and stuff. So I've been up there. You know, I'd even seen wrestling there when I was a kid, you know, so to me to actually be there, special moment but it wasn't like if i was in the main event against triple h different animal yeah you know what i mean absolutely what about the uh the cow palace i think you both probably spent some time out oh, there God. i i let me go first on that one go ahead. I, I i love the cow palace again i'm a baby i'm a i'm a tweener i'm a you know freaking i'm a the uh what, what do we what do i call you anti-hero uh, anti i'm an anti-hero still when I perform there and then I go through the crowd. I don't realize that that crowd is a gangster crowd and they loved me. But as I was going through it, boom, I lost that elbow pad. I lost that because they just grab, you know, as you're running through it, it was, it was a fun, fun experience. And again, the cow palace <laughs> ain't the sweetest place in the world to be wrestling in. You know, it's, it's exactly what it is. I was cow impressed palace. with the Colonel Sanders right next to the cow palace. That I went through the drive-through, and the drive-through had bulletproof glass to get your food. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know, this this chicken's good, but it's not quite that good, guys. Come on, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty spooky there to be in the area around it, but still. You know, it, it, like bucket list, bucket list. That's all. What about the, uh, the ECW arena? I know neither one of you worked it while ECW was running, but I think you've probably both been through it since. what do you think of the building? <laughs> Next <laughs> <laughs> bingo baller, but a lot of fun, uh, times I, I watched come out of there and it had a, it, it has the ghosts of you know ecw past uh a lot of blood on those floors yeah like you know, I, I loved watching that dusty used to say to me all the time you know d i wish you would have experienced this one time going out there hitting some diamond cutters those people would have lost their minds and i got to experience that with AEW, which to me is the closest thing they're much more controlled they're much more yeah they're they're a live ass amazing crowd the aew fans yeah and they come from all over yeah uh i i that i've i've experienced aew it's close enough for you know ecw what about uh sky dome uh it's kind of fun to think about wrestlemania 6 you guys are both there you're cruising down in your pink cadillac though dallas and when you have <laughs> 
your big WrestleMania match. Once you jump ship from WCW to the WWF, it's also back at the sky dome. How about that for bookends for you? Crazy. You want to know something? The undertaker may not be, but I'm still undefeated. One and oh, one and oh, there you go. The streak is alive. Well, the streak's still alive. I've been in the sky dome a couple of times and, uh, uh I really enjoyed the hotel rooms that had the view. Yep. Cause I put on a couple of shows right there. <laughs> I've heard about Probably those. I got you arrested today. Yeah. Wish we get me arrested today. Uh, <laughs> Those were, that was a good night. What'd you guys think of uh, center stage? Uh, Jake, Tony Schiavone thinks center stage was a dump. He hated it. What say you? I did too. I thought it, I saw, I, it sucked. Uh, it was, it, it, for me, it has so many different memories because yeah. that's the, you know, the emergence of what I did and who I was with and stone cold before that stunning Steve and Mark Merrow as Johnny B. Bad and, you know, Marcus Bagwell, uh, God, you know, Kevin Nash and, you know, Eric Watts and Van Hammer. So many of my buddies are still my closest friends today, you know, that all came through there. You know, it was a dump. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was uh, it was our dump. <laughs> Well, a place that was not a dump, Arn Anderson called it the Madison Square Garden of the South. Jake, what'd you think of the Omni? I uh, love the Omni, man. You know, uh, that was the greatest time of my life, being the booker, um, wrestling Ronnie Garvin every night, trying to teach the Road Warriors not to kill everybody, mm. just who I tell to, uh, watching Brad Armstrong oh, he become a star. He was magic, you know, and uh, I have a lot of great memories about the Omni, man. And uh, the only bad memory I have of the Omni was Missy Hyatt. And that's all I'm saying. So uh, <laughs> I'll go from this. I'm in a, a battle royal with, and me and Teddy Long are both in the battle royal as managers with wrestlers oh, of course we got our ass kicked and thrown out <laughs> but we both end up in the whole fame wow you know freaking 20 some years later yeah and one of my favorite moments <laughs> is mark marrow aka johnny b bad walking up to me and i'm getting ready to go out and he's standing there and i go man what are you doing where are we going he's gonna take a shower what he goes Did I wrestle? Oh, God. I go, he goes, I, I feel it. I feel like I already got there. I go, yeah, bro. I just watched your match. She's like, oh, my God. Yeah. I don't remember anything. I remember walking back. Wow. wow. I mean, he was out the whole match. Wow. But I remember. It might have been part of it, but I remember the whole one. And I think I had just, I'd already wrestled and changed because he was later in the card. So he'd come up to me. Yeah, I wasn't ready to go out. I already come take a shower, come out there, and then he walks up to me in his gear. It reminds me of that time I said to Kimberly when we were walking backstage, did I just wrestle? What happened? <laughs> it does happen. Yeah. Two more, and then we'll wrap things up. Jake, Greensboro, the home of Starcade. Any good memories from Greensboro and the Coliseum there? No, I don't, because uh, my most memorable match was against a friggin' machine. And, uh, 
I've never been blown up like I got blown up that night. Um, Who'd you work with? Ivan Koloff. Oh, wow. And he was a friggin' machine. He was a bump machine. He just kept coming, and I could not get him off of me. He was bumping every time I touched him, but I could not get him off of me. I remember almost collapsing on the way back to the, the locker room, man, just out of gas so bad I was quivering, shaking. I thought I was going to die. And he was putting me over. Those fans knew I got my ass kicked. <laughs> they may have raised my hand, but I got my ass handed to me. Yeah, I just, for me, Greensboro, I just love the fans. I love oh, all the, the fans are awesome. The fans are amazing. You know, really all through the Carolinas and yeah. Georgia, Birmingham, Kentucky, Ohio. I mean, the, there's just a, that whole area is just awesome fans. And hell, Greensboro now, that place blowing up. Huge, man. huge. Huge. I wish I would have brought some, brought some land there. Yeah, I mean, for a couple of you know, 10, 15 Should've years back, you know, 25 years back, because man, that place is blown up. Uh, one last one, Dallas, uh, one of the more famous venues back in the territory days where Hulk Hogan and Andre and a lot of others went through the dirt floors in Dothan. You ever get to, uh, <laughs> wrestle down there? Are you serious? That's the four and a half hour ride from here, man. Yeah. That, that man, <laughs> When I saw Dothan on the schedule, oh. I was like, damn, not now. I bought a place. <laughs> I bought a place down in Panama City Beach uh, on the beach. So uh, we're building down there. Me and my wife, Paige, built actually a retreat down there at Paige's Retreat. And uh, we go through it all the time. And I have very fond memories now because I'm on my way to Panama City Beach. But uh, I, I love the fans there. They were great. Uh, but you know, to me, <laughs> I could have I could have skipped that loop. You when you when it's and you and you, you never you always God we got to get there we got to get there and then you realize uh, it's an hour back. I could have left an hour later, and now we're gonna go back home and I'm gonna lose that hour. So it was things like that. One time, me and Bischoff were driving back that back to Atlanta, and this crazy rainstorm came. And then this is something like out of the apocalypse, frogs. What? When I say frogs jumping into the road, it, and this goes on for about a quarter of a mile of crazy frogs. Ask Bish about the frogs. So this is like the movie Magnolia you're talking about here. Jake's trying to get out of here. Jake's gone. <laughs> He's gone. He's out of here. So I'm telling you, ask Bishop if he remembers that. About the frogs jumping. We thought it was like, what the fuck is happening? And all these crazy frogs were, you know, down. And we were just wiping them out and driving over so many. They hitting the windshield. It was crazy. The idea that uh, there were frogs raining is enough for Jake the Snake to do not a run in, but a run out. And we are out of time today. But we'll be back next week talking all things wrestling here with DDP. And Jake, the snake Roberts in the meantime, catch both of these guys on cameo and there he goes. There he goes. I don't know where he'll stop. Nobody knows. We'll see you guys next week right here on DDP snake pit. See ya bang.